primarily do the reefer. I've got pretty lazy here in the last year or two. I'm getting old, so I'm not much on the <laughs> chains and tarps anymore. I'm a, I'm a door swinger. Let's hear for that door swinger, everybody. That'd be former and still sometimes stepdecker and flatbedder Rob Goodwin. Based up in the Texas Panhandle and today running leased to a very small carrier. Owner operator Goodwin I first spoke to last week for that update I wrote on the right load, no broker, shipper to carrier connection engine that's been standing up taller more and more as time goes by and shippers and truckers both find true utility there. Part of Goodwin's story though stood out in a variety of ways, not at least among them his recovery from a broker scam that four years ago cost his independent small fleet well more than 10 grand. Uh, and that led to a chain of events that ultimately uh, uh, caused him to get rid of his authority, closing down the business, and uh, afterward returning to a single truck and that new lease partner today. Secondly, his dog. And boy, is she a special ride-along companion, for sure. Rescued American Bulldog, who well illustrates that often special bond between man and beast. Before we get there... And I know some of you may have seen this news already through stories at OverdriveOnline.com, but wanted to air uh, this through this channel for anyone who may get Overdrive Radio principally through a podcasting app or other source not directly tied to our daily reporting and analysis at the website. It's a true honor to be able to share a little audio from a project that's been more than a year in the making at this point. It's a special eight-episode podcast series called Over the Road, built with a partnership between Overdrive and PRX's Radiotopia Podcast Network, which, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, you might think of it as almost like a record label for independent podcast producers. In any case, the, the idea of this creation for me, hopefully, is to build bridges between all of you in the independent trucking community and the wider, wider world out there. The podcast tells the stories of working drivers and owner-operators largely in their own words, ultimately. And with someone guiding us through it all, I can't imagine a possible replacement for. I'm talking there about our own regular contributor, long-haul Paul Marhofer. Many of you know Paul, I'm sure, for his music, but he's an absolutely great writer as well. And with a likewise high sense of the needs of a story. Particularly when it involves an owner-operator. He understands the business realities of the owner-operator independent trucker, too, about as well as anyone. And along the way through the podcast, tells part of his own story, working as an independent for many years. Today, this special treat, a taste of what's to come with this brief audio trailer. Granted, this piece in particular is written directly to that general audience the podcast will be going out to, but this gives you a pretty good idea of the kind of production quality the folks at Radiotopia have brought to this project. And once the first episode drops next week on February 20th, I think you'll see there's plenty of value there for both working owner operators and those uninitiated to trucking. You can subscribe to it via your favorite podcast player or visit overtheroad.fm or look for it at overdriveonline.com. And in addition to Paul, here's a big shout out to the truckers whose voices you're about to hear, too. In this rough order, owner operators Daniel Snow, Devery Jones, Mike Landis, and Adela Hansen. Retired former independent and pre-deregulation wildcatter Theldon Thornburg, trucker Benda Atwal, owner-operators Mississippi Tim and Kulant Sindhu, over-the-road contributing producer Lacey Roberts' Montana grandmother, long retired from the road, and trucker Kathy Simmons. Okay, 
Here's Paul. I want you to think about the last time you took a long drive. You pull onto the freeway and merge into the center lane. A few cars dot the road ahead and the pavement stretches on for miles. Take a sip of coffee, accelerate, and set the cruise control. Then around the bend, you see the back of a tractor trailer. It has a license plate from some faraway state, and as you come alongside the cab, you can just make out one arm slung over the steering wheel. As you look up, for just a second, you wonder, where's that truck going? What's inside it? And who's that person behind the wheel? Well, there's a slight chance that person was me. I've driven a truck for almost 40 years now. With some help from the good folks at Radiotopia and Overdrive magazine, I'm going to take you along for a ride. Going deep into the world of trucking. You gotta live it, love it, breathe it, bleed it. To hear stories of the past. The one with the shoestrings on the steering wheel. And of how that world is changing today. It's the freedom of it, and that's kind of being taken away. You take a right, we're west of the interstate, you'll see a bunch of trucks here. We'll hit up truck stops from coast to coast. Oh, honey, we've got a full menu and everything's good here. And hunt down the best nanner nanner pudding on I-75. You, you do know the story behind the nanner pudding, no, don't you? No, I don't know the story. It's out here on this lonesome old farm. We'll pick up a load of milk in Indiana. Haul through the meat patch of Nebraska. And meet some of the seedier characters down at the docks of Pompano Beach, Florida. Along the way, we'll talk music and mythology. Out on the road, they're on their own. Regulation and relationships. I mean, you might you might see your dad like four days a month at that point in time. You'll hear the voices of angelic overnight radio DJs. Those songs can come right through you. And pistol-packing trucking grannies. You need to step away from the truck. There'll be tales of treacherous country roads. A lot of people died there. And acts of principled defiance. Like people need to open their eyes and see what's going on. Near misses with the law. At blue smoke, white smoke, green smoke, whatever kind of smoke you want. And moments of incredible human resilience. We decide when we are in India, we are truck drivers. Stories about loads and labor. You get in the sleeper and stay out of there and I'll show you I can drive truck. But even more, stories about people. We're a family. And the lives we live out on the road. That's what you do. And while we're at it, I'll tell you some of my own stories. Shoot, I might just sing you a song or two. I'm Long Haul Paul. And this is Over the Road. First episode rolls out February 20th, wherever you find your podcasts. Radio Tokyo.
Again, visit overtheroad.fm to find options for subscribing or search for the podcast at overdriveonline.com. Big tip of the cap to producer Ian Koss for all the work put into that little bit of audio. I know it's a lot. Okay, back to Texas-based owner-op Rob Goodwin's story, which starts as our conversation a couple days ago did. Goodwin waiting to load in Indiana with his reefer. Yeah, yeah, I'm loading here in Indiana. We can start heading south here shortly. Uh, Trucking began for me um, basically in 1985. um, I was a senior in high school, and uh, my parents ran a pharmacy in a small town in Texas. And um, I was getting ready to be out of school, you know, graduate from high school. And um, my mom and dad had a friend that was a Schwann's driver back then in the day, you know, and, um, okay. he, he, uh, kind of took me under his wing. Um, I'd worked for the city all my high school years and I drove dump trucks and stuff, but never had a license for it. And anyway, um, this guy that worked for Schwann's, uh, took me out and kind of taught me how to drive the Schwann's truck. And I went and took my first CDL test in a Schwann's truck, um, got a class B CDL, uh, and that's a straight truck, I guess. Yeah, that's a, that was a straight truck. Yeah, yeah a straight yeah. truck. Um, I got a Class B CDL and um, went off and uh, joined the Army after that. And um, since I had a Class B CDL, they assumed I could drive anything. And um, I went to driving big trucks, you know, pretty much anything they, they had. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I got out of the Army after Desert Storm in 91. Uh, I went reserves. but um, my license from the military from the army crossed over and I was grandfathered in in 91 with a class A from there I went to uh went to work for a school district for a while and um drove school buses big big charter type school buses and things like that okay. and um I did that for about 6 years and then um went to work for an oil company and um drove a few trucks with the oil company and just got tired of being laid off and then 2011 I started my own trucking company I started out hot shotting um with with my company uh I ran the hot shop for about a year and a half and realized that if you wanted to make real money you had to go to the big trucks and that's when I bought my first big truck and been doing it ever since when 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 did that happen when did you buy this I bought my first truck in 20 14. I ran my authority. Um, I didn't close my business down until 20, late 2016, like October, November, uh, 2016. Um, what had happened was, uh, since I'd worked in the oil field, I had a lot of contacts. And when I started my company, I was, um, running probably 95% oil field stuff, killing it, you know, just making a killing just one day went to bed and the next day woke up and the oil field had shut down for the most part. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was literally overnight, um, making six, $7 a mile and, uh, woke up the next day and there wasn't a load to be found within, you know, a thousand miles. I had to start load boarding, um, general freight movement. And of course we'd run step decks and hot shots. And I had six trucks leased on at that time. And, um, okay. we went to, to general load boards and start doing stuff. And a lot of them guys that were running for me had never done any over the road type stuff. They 
they might go out for a day, two or three, but they'd always back home, you know, in a couple of days. And yeah. it was a very hard transition for them. Basically, that was that was probably the biggest hurdle I had to jump was getting guys that could go out and stay out for two or three weeks, you know, take a load to Pennsylvania or whatever and, um, you know, turn around and come back with the two or three different stops before they got yeah. back home. They just They just didn't like it, didn't like it at all. In the mix of dealing with all that, we uh, we were hauling a lot of air conditioners for train, um, hauling them all over the country. And I booked three loads with uh, a broker out of Houston. And I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the broker's name. It's been so long. But um, three of the out of three of the loads, they were all like six thousand, seven thousand dollars loads. Um, two went to New York, and one went to Washington. Well, I took the one that went to Washington. And two of the other drivers took the ones that went to uh, New York. And uh, by by luck, the one that I hauled paid. Uh, the loads that they the other two guys took didn't pay. I lost fourteen thousand dollars plus fuel and uh, everything else, you know, uh, on those two mm-hmm. loads. And um, that was pretty much nails in our coffin. I filed mm-hmm. on their bond, and um, nothing ever really came from it because they had they'd stolen so much money that their bond was used up by the time I got I got to where it was up to me to file on it and um, I, I ended up having to pay them guys out of my pocket and um, of course yeah. I, I was living the lifestyle you know so I didn't have a whole lot of money in my pocket um, I, I was buying toys and everything else and I, I mean I was doing all right but it I, I didn't have 14,000 plus you know 3,500 a truck and fuel to pay out and um Anyway, that was pretty much the one of the last deals that uh, made me go out of business was having to come up with all that money and and then just the freight market dropped out and it, it got pretty rocky there for a little while and I just made the decision to get rid of my authority, put it on ice and um, go back to a one-truck operation. That was back in 2016. His owner-operator, Goodwin, made note of earlier, a year during which a quote-unquote freight recession was claimed as volumes fell back and, in the views of some, very long down period for spot freight and rates began, notwithstanding the brief pre- and post-ELD mandate boost. As reader Jeffrey Hansen put it in a letter to the editor here recently, quote, Since 2016, the brokers are stepping on their golden goose's throat. We have a saying here, and that is if you eat all your cattle, you're no longer a rancher. When they put the independent truck driver out of business and only the big companies are left, two things happen. One, there is no need for all those brokers, and two, freight rates will go through the roof. End quote. We've written about the greed that seems to permeate too much around trucking, definitely in the brokerage space, and if Hansen's right and what we're witnessing at this moment in time is a sort of last fatal gasp in the downward push on rates and not just some exceptionally low seasonal downturn exacerbated by the move of more carriers large and small to the spot market with freight volumes sputtering along if brokers are indeed eating themselves out of all their cattle and the business altogether well hold on tight i happen to believe it's an apt analogy but doubt we're running all the way to its conclusion nonetheless The possible defense Hansen mentioned in his letter is an old but common one that more independents might do well to take to the extent they can. It's one good one even explicitly uses himself as the old line goes, don't take cheap freight. Know your full cost per mile and refuse anything that doesn't allow for a good profit margin well above it. 
Goodwin himself is a proponent of such a strategy, though his cost per mile is a bit lower than Hansen's. His equipment financing cost is very low indeed in an old 2000 Western Star and paid off reefer trailer. Goodwin will deadhead 200 miles and turn a 250 a mile, 400 mile load effectively into uh, 170 a mile on the rate, rather than take anything quoted at less than two to get there. It's the principle, he says, of not letting a cheapskate get away with low-balling a trucker he thinks is in desperation. Referencing no shortage of broker offer rates Hansen's been rejecting out of hand of late, he said, it is just that, desperation, that quote, scoops up 90 cent per mile freight, end quote. The broker that puts such a big hit on Goodwin's small fleet, too, well, the seeming strategy of such brokers, to go out with a bang by essentially not paying as many carriers as they can before their bond is shut down and their authority revoked, well, keep tuned to OverdriveOnline.com for more reporting on that phenomenon, yeah, it still happens, maybe more than we know. For Goodwin, ultimately, he'd take that one truck operation back to a leased arrangement, and today he's with Terra Trucking out of Texas, owned by hotshot hauler Joey Terra. And Goodwin's taking time to learn the reefer markets and holds a lot of latitude dispatching himself in the operation, working with about 60% dedicated broker's freight and the other 40% either direct, contract, or shipper's loads secured through the right load platform. I went back to a one-truck operation, and um, I've been doing one truck ever since then. And so. doing doing lots of things outside of the oil field too, right? Just uh, but you still do some some oil field related work, don't you? We still do a moderate amount of oil field work. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot of it that goes on. It's um, oil, the oil field has become a lot more global in the last three or four years than it used to ever be. Um, yeah. it, it's not unusual now to um, pick up something out of Shreveport and take it up to Montana or Wyoming, or when you get up to get up there, you load KCL out and bring it right back down to Texas because they're fracking with KCL. It's part oh, okay. of the stuff yeah. they use to pressurize with to do the fracking. It's a, it comes in humongous bags of, uh, looks like powdered sugar, but it's, they're, I don't know, three or four, th- 5,000 pound bags and they load them on your flatbeds and, uh, you have to tarp them and, you know, keep it dry, you know, in, in 20, 2010, 11, 12, there wasn't a whole lot of interstate stuff going on. You know, right. it wasn't, you, you, you went from Texas to Oklahoma, maybe to Kansas, maybe New Mexico, and that was about it. And then uh, 2016, 2017 rolled around, it started going Texas to Pennsylvania, Texas to, you know, uh, Wyoming, Montana, everywhere right. they were drilling at. Yeah, a lot of a lot up in North Dakota. I spent a long time up in Williston, um, hauling stuff back and forth. I was hauling pond liners um, out of a place just north of Fort Worth that made custom pond liners, and uh, I'd haul them up to Williston, then haul equipment back out of there. I still run a step deck um, occasionally. I, I primarily do the reefer. I've got pretty lazy here in the last year or two. I'm getting old, so I'm not much on the old <laughs> chains and tarps anymore. I'm a I'm a door swinger. As we talked, Goodwin was waiting for one of those loads booked with a shipper directly through right load, bulk potatoes in Indiana, in which, like all loads on the platform, came at a cost uh, to him of a $27 flat charge. He had to get out of the truck to square things away at this point in the conversation and noticed his load locks were gone. After he found them, approaching his driver door, he saw a familiar sight and another of the reasons we were talking. 
jumping on road the road dog. She's a she's a sitting here keeping an eye on the truck while I'm gone. She gets up in my chair and doesn't let nobody get near the truck while we're while I'm out of it. So the three-year-old American bulldog's name? Well, that's Patty, known to some of her followers on social media as Patty the Traveling Road Dog. That's her. Yeah, she's uh she's she's quite the unique animal for sure. Yeah. Where, uh, where did you? Uh, how how long have you has she been riding with you? And where'd you where'd you? Um, I found her on Facebook. Um, my wife found this place, uh, this rescue up in Amarillo, Texas. I saw a picture of her and just immediately knew that it was meant to be. And uh, yeah. I mean, just just from seeing her, uh, if if you can believe that. We lived in uh, Lindell, Texas, right outside of Tyler. And uh, we drove up to Amarillo and met this girl and met Patty and uh, went home and uh, talked about it. And we drove back up to Amarillo and and adopted Patty. And uh, she's been in the truck ever since. She was about eight months old then, and that was a little over two and a, about two and a half years ago. Um, it's uh, it's Chloe's Canine's Dog Sanctuary, yeah. right? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Chloe's. Chloe's canine, uh, Amy Lewis is the girl's name that runs that. Just okay. she is a she's a super special person. I I talked to her this morning, and told her that we might be doing a little shout out to her. So she does a lot of uh, special needs dogs. Um, dogs okay. that um, she's got one dog that has to wear a diaper. It's named Tank that she rescued, and uh, she doesn't put him up for adoption. He's her her dog for the rest of her life, you know, or the rest of his life, whatever. But uh, yeah. that that's kind of person she is. Uh, if she can't find them a home, she usually ends up keeping the ones that are really uh, hardcore needy. And I think Patty, you told me that in the past that the P- Patty was in a kill shelter and had been Amy adopted She was in a um, kill shelter in Hereford, Texas. When when Amy picked her up and posted her on Facebook, Amy hadn't hadn't even taken her in. She just posted that uh, Patty was going to be killed uh, the next day, and she went and picked her up. And I was down there the next day to get Patty. She's turned out to be the most remarkable dog ever. It was just meant to be, man. Uh, I I can't tell you how uh, how crazy it was to get this dog and. Um, we had dogs. We got five. We had five dogs before we got Patty, and uh, I've never had a dog like this before. Um, she she can read me like a book. Uh, she knows whenever I get stressed out. She knows whenever I uh, just anything. If, if I'm not right, she'll come up and and nudge me and distract me, you know, or be like, "Hey, what's going on with you?" You know, this is not the way things are supposed to be. Amazing when you find a. You know, an animal that uh, is that perceptive, right? Very easily, she could have been a, uh, what do they call them, dog that, uh, like a companion dog yeah. for somebody. And uh, yeah. she could, she she kind of took that role on for me, even though I'm, I'm not just real, I, not real needy, but uh, she, uh, she still, she does it, you know. She also seems. She also has a. Uh, seems like she has something of a special talent uh, in terms of uh, the way that she c- communicates with you. Yeah, sometimes. she's a. <laughs> she, she's a. 
she's a talker. Um, she'll <laughs> she'll carry on conversations with you. Um, it, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. It's almost like she she can understand everything you're talking about. You know, she's never been any trouble. The first night I had her in the truck, uh, I was actually talking to my wife about it. Uh, we stayed at a truck stop in Arkansas, and I stayed there again the other night coming up here to Indiana. And uh, I told my wife, I said, this is the first truck stop me and Patty ever stayed together at. And <laughs> the that was the night she chewed up my wallet and the phone cord. And that's the only thing she she ever has ever chewed in the truck ever. Never. That was really early on in her life in the truck, right? Yeah. she uh, yeah. She's been in the truck every day of her life. So, you know, it's like she, was, her, yeah. like she was born to be here. She, she's gained something of a following too um, via your Facebook yeah. page, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, she. Um, I was I was posting videos to my mom, and you know, my mom's seventy, seventy or seventy-one years old. And uh, shortly after I uh, started doing that, I started getting these messages from a bunch of old women. I started getting all these these messages just out of the blue that somebody was trying to contact me right right and uh what it was was my mom was going to the beauty shop and showing her friends the videos of of my dog long story short these women were on my mom's friend list so they went home and clicked on me and added me as a friend and sent me a message wanting to know what was going on with the dog every day of the week (laughs) so that's how i got to doing facebook videos instead of doing 35 um individual videos of the dog and send it out i just do one one big video and video of patty and uh that's that's how patty the travel and road dog was born the beauty shop network and now she's uh she's evolved um into uh she'll sit in the driver's seat when i get out just as soon as i as soon as i step out of the truck she gets in the driver's seat and she'll watch me the whole time i'm out of the truck and right. I'll come out, and there'll be people standing by my truck at the fuel island. And uh, I'll walk up, and they're like, your dog looks like it's driving the truck. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 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 they, they, people take pictures of her all over the place. And uh, I, I've been tagged in so many pictures. You know, somebody uh, is friends with a driver that I have no idea, and they posted a picture of my dog. And I'll, I'll get it three weeks later. Somebody posted a picture of, of Patty, you know. And my friends see right. it, and they send it to me, and they're like, "Hey, isn't this your dog?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so she's she's pretty well traveled. She's just sort of your uh, concierge for uh, for the social networking that you do, <laughs> such as it may yeah. be out there on the website. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, my, I got a buddy. His name's Pat, and uh, me and Pat used to run Washington to Florida together a lot. Uh, just trailing each other. We 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 did bumper to bumper loads back and forth, and uh, he got to spend a lot right. of time with Patty. And he uh, he decided he wanted a dog, and he he looked and looked and looked, and never could find one. And uh, finally, about three months ago, he found a dog that very similar to Patty. It's a male, and uh, he's adopted that dog. And I've talked to him, I don't know, six or eight times. About that, about his dog, and uh, his dog's name's Pudge. Pudge has changed his life. He 
he's a whole different person now that he's got this dog in his life. He's real quick to tell me, you know, I'm not near as wound up as I used to be. I'm, I'm more relaxed because I'm, I'm having to deal with the dog and, you know, take care of his needs on top of my needs. And they're, they're learning each other. And I just, I told him, I said, you know, it yeah. makes my heart feel good. People talk about the companionship all the time, but there's also that just the practical aspect of, yeah, like this gives you something else to, you have to take care of this animal. So this is something yeah. that, there's something to focus that you have to focus on, and it, it sort of takes, doing that takes your takes your mind off of less time to stew about everything else, right? Like yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. You you got no time to sit and and sweat all the the small things, you know. It 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 makes you it lowers your blood pressure. It makes you feel better. I mean, it's just good all the way around. If I get a little exercise too. Right? Patty has a 25-foot leash, and uh, I put her on it, and we get out and roughhouse at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, depending on how much time we got and where we're at. I have no idea. I'm I'm pretty sure she was born in Texas, um, but uh, I got up to Washington last year, and uh, we were up there in the snow, and she loved the snow. You, you'd think she was born in Alaska or something, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she took after the snow like nothing I'd ever seen. We always have a really good time whenever we're we're in snowy country. And that's a wrap for Overdrive Radio today. Thanks to owner operator Goodwin for all the time taken to tell us his story. He hauls in a 2000 Western Star he bought used not long ago to replace an expensive lease purchase he was in for a 2019 Peterbilt 389. The Western Stars, an old Detroit-powered workhorse you can find a few pictures of in the February 12 post on my Channel 19 blog. That's overdriveonline.com slash channel19. As our phone call Monday came to a close, it occurred to me Goodwin's route to a Florida receiver with those potatoes was going to come right through Nashville here. We met at the downtown TA across the Cumberland River. Stay tuned for more from that meeting, and... Look for him at the Mid-American Trucking Show. He's been helping out with the young USTA organization, leading a Texas chapter. Goodwin's also a longtime OOIDA member, among other affiliations. And as for Patty the Traveling Road Dog, well, look Goodwin up on Facebook to see to sit in on a video with her. She's a great dog. You won't regret it.